0: This is Ryan Bell from the Life After God podcast, and I never listen. I mean, why would I listen to I Doubt It With Dolomore? I mean, that's the competition. You need to listen to Life After God.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter topics will be discussed using adult language sometimes gratuitously get ready to move the conversation forward this ain't your granddad's news and comment show this is i doubt it with thalamore Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 406 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. And I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. I'm kind of varying the the tempo and intensity. You see that? You can't talk until I introduce you. Lovely co-host, Brittany Page.
2: Well, see, you tell me that I can't do something and then I have to disobey.
1: <laughs> like it's a hard, fast rule.
2: Yeah. So I immediately I had to say something just to, just because you told me I couldn't. So
1: welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you again for joining us. We appreciate you guys so much. So much. Especially when we get delicious treats sent to us from the audience members. <laughs> Is that a weird way to say it?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Are people getting sick of us talking about this? The stuff well, I can't, that we're sent? We can't,
1: If somebody sends us something, we can't not talk about it and yeah. thank them on the air. Yeah. We got this uh, Pickley's. Mm. It's a Haitian, apparently like a Haitian uh, coleslaw.
2: Yeah. Spicy. And it, it is hot. It is,
1: yeah. uh, it is no joke. Yeah. We're not going to eat it on the air. Because it's coleslaw, we
2: have already kind of a condiment. We have already tried it though,
1: <laughs> and it's good. It's really
2: good. It's you sour. went back for seconds. I did. Um, it is very spicy. The kind of spicy where you like choke up a little bit. And yeah, You, know, you have yeah, to yeah. cough through it.
1: I think it's meant to for be me. eaten like it would be. I think it would be awesome on like a like a like a hot dog.
2: Uh-huh. Like a
1: sauce. What 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 is so? F-
2: I nothing. <laughs> I I think it would be perfect on a hot dog. Is so hot anyway, dog your favorite
1: meat? Um. Is that a Mitt Romney joke? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I like hot dogs.
2: <laughs> hot dog is my favorite meat. <laughs>
1: um, Gene from Florida sent this. He wanted mm. to share his culture with us, which I uh, assume means that he is Haitian. Mm-hmm. And uh, goddamn, we love it. We appreciate it. It is really good. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I was born to the wrong family. Hmm. You know? The uber white family in Idaho
2: Uh-huh.
1: when really the, the cuisine that I prefer is not hamburgers and hot dogs. Yeah. Ironically enough.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's the spicy food. When we were
1: kids, my stepdad used to, I think just as a measure of torture to kind of fuck with us, but he used to like bet us or like reward us if like i'll give you a quarter or a dollar if you eat this whole uh jalapeno hmm. and so we you i think that's how i built up my tolerance through the torture of a step-parent that's weird but uh you know i'm and ultimately i'm thankful because we eat good food because of it yeah You know, it's not like cream-based sauces and stuff all the time.
2: Was he, like, taking pictures while this was going on? No, there was no
1: digital cameras back then. So that would have been, like, the long con. You got to wait for two weeks for your film to get developed.
2: (laughs) Well, that's what I mean. Maybe he was saving up some... I don't think so. ...photos to blackmail you with in the future.
1: Because he knew this is where I'd be. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm
2: just trying to understand why someone would be like, I will pay you money to do this, child. Please do it yeah, in front of me I, right I now. I think I
1: was less uh, eager to jump in the fray than my little brother, who was a maniac about it Yeah, and would go crazy, really hurting himself to to, to do it.
2: Well, that's disturbing. <laughs> well,
1: that's disturbing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Gene, thank you so much yes, for, for the you. delicious treat. We will enjoy it for the, the weeks and months to come. I'm sure it's preserved and... Everything else because it's sour with vinegar and good times. <laughs> Isn't there something you wanted to talk about the the, the top of the show that uh, relates to a topic near and dear to your heart?
2: Yeah, so there's um, this new grassroots movement that is happening called the Poor People's Campaign, and it's being led by William Barber, and he's a Protestant minister and political leader in North Carolina, mm. and um, you can go to the website. It is the thepoorpeoplescampaign.org, and you can sign up to join the campaign. Um, it started today. And it's going to continue until June 23rd. And they're calling it the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. And they have some demands. And that includes federal and state living wage laws, equity and education, an end to mass incarceration, a single payer health care system and the protection of the right to vote. Mm hmm. So they're organizing thousands of people in about 40 states and um, people are expected to commit acts of civil disobedience and protest against policies enacted at the federal and especially the state level that have disproportionately affected poor people. So you can go sign up, um, poorpeoplescampaign.org. They ask you a couple of questions. Are you a faith leader? Are you willing to take part in civil disobedience? Will you mobilize within your community? Will you use social media to spread the word about the campaign? So I'm assuming when you sign up, they then send you details about, like, if you say, yes, I'm interested in taking part in civil disobedience, Yeah. Um, yeah. then based on your location, they will send you information about the types of events that you can take part in um continuing through June 23rd.
1: And that's uh I think that's probably a big piece of it too is the c- civil disobedience. Because mm-hmm. really when you look throughout history about the times that things shit really got changed and really got done it was through civil disobedience. The entire civil rights um movement mm-hmm. was through a- small and large acts of civil disobedience, whether it be sitting in at lunch counters at segregated diners, um, not moving outside of a, a the the voting registrar's office,
2: right,
1: taking up space, um, disrupting the system. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to do it. Yeah, you just have to know what the consequence is, and that's probably why they're asking that question because right. there there could be legal consequence.
2: Right. Um, So if you want to follow them, you can follow them on Twitter at Unite the Poor. And that's another way to kind of track what they're doing. They also retweet um, other like local um, poor people's campaign accounts. So um, I know they just retweeted like a Washington, D.C. poor people's campaign and um, one from Arkansas. So I'm sure there's different states and locations that you can find to specifically follow your city if you want to find out more information.
1: Poverty is one of those things that doesn't get enough um, nuanced discussion about
2: because right. poverty
1: yes. isn't just about being poor and not having enough money. Being poor affects your 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 brain development. It affects your. Aren't they finding out now that even IQ can be uh, affected by living in poverty?
2: Yeah, um, or
1: that they're. It's not like their findings, but. There are initial results that lead them to maybe think that.
2: Right. There are some studies that show that there's like a temporary decrease in um, IQ when people are experiencing financial hardship. And part of that is because of the cognitive load that is required when you're poor to be thinking about how am I going to pay my bills? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically the strategy that is involved in just trying to make your life work when you don't have the resources to make it work, how how you're going to eat, how you're going to feed your family, how you're going to keep the electricity on, how you're going to put gas in your car, you know, all of these different things that people, um, take for granted because they're able to do that. So many people are struggling to do. And when you have to think about those things, it takes energy away from other tasks um, thinking about your work, how you can improve in- your job, yeah, um, yeah. trying to get an education, all of those things. So, And uh, I think the important thing about this Poor People's Campaign is that um, he's, he's using a lot of um, what Martin Luther King Jr. did in the 60s as inspiration. And the income inequality has only continued to get worse.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Um and so this is kind of a movement to get some recognition for that and hopefully try to implement changes that will start working toward progress rather than continuing to make this problem worse. Uh,
1: that is awesome. All of that information will be in the show notes, both poorpeoplescampaign.org and also at unite the poor on uh, on Twitter, um, very important. I would encourage everybody to, if you're super interested and you want to take part, certainly take part. Uh, but there are multiple ways to take part that don't involve the 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 civil disobedience, whether it be money, whether it be spreading the word on social media, uh, or actively getting involved and in, uh, you know putting your putting your body in the in the in the way. Yeah. Good good to go. So. Let's get to some voicemails and some emails. Which would you like to start with first?
2: Let's start with an email. This is from Anne from Philly via UGG, Florida. (laughs) 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 Hello, Jesse and I I think it's probably
1: Anne from Philly via UGG, Florida.
2: That's the way to do it. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. My name is Anne, and I'm a long-time listener, but a first-time contactor and financial supporter of the show. To preface this whole thing, Brittany, I, too, am a former Prelude driver, and I share your love of such a fine automobile. Wow. That is correct. (laughs) Look at us.
1: Yours didn't last very long, though.
2: Yeah, but that's because I let a dick drive it, and then he ruined my car. So, (laughs) everyone who wants some advice...
1: Don't let dicks drive your car.
2: Precisely. Now back to the. This
1: episode brought to you by not letting dicks drive your car.
2: (laughs) Now on to my reasons for both. You know what he tried to do. My 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 car was not. uh, It was it was it could only go in first or second gear or something. Something terrible. Uh, but I didn't need it to go out of like second gear because I only drove it to school and work. So Yeah, I, I neighborhood never, car. Yeah, I never had to go over 40 miles per hour. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> For a high school kid. Yeah. <laughs> as long as like the zombie apocalypse didn't happen, right. we were totally fine. And um, he was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to fix this. And his way of trying to fix it was like stomping on the gas and just gunning it and trying to like get the speed up to force it to uh, in, it, force it into a third gear or whatever uh. and uh it was a manual so that doesn't really make sense anyway um but it the transmission fell out of the car <laughs> i mean <that's, laughs> literally fell out yeah and it like leaked the fluid all oh, over I, 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 I had to have it towed back to my house and it was ruined i couldn't drive it after that so
1: not only was he a dick he was a moron
2: yeah and then i was like so what are we gonna do here he's like well i'll tow it to your house for you but
1: he didn't do anything to fix it no. after he fucked it up. Yeah,
2: and then I, I sold it for four hundred dollars to someone who like fixed it up and loves preludes. Wow, probably like Anne's brother or something. <laughs> Um. Okay, <laughs> now on to my reasons for both contacting you and shelling out my hard-earned money to keep the conversation going. Mm. In August of 2017, I packed up my life, left my family business, swimming pool service and repair, and made my way very much south of Philadelphia, where I'd grown up and lived for my 35 years on this planet. I landed on the central east coast of Florida and almost immediately regretted this decision. Much like Jesse, I was not enthusiastic about about voting for Hillary, but because I exist in reality, saw no other choice. Yes. There are too many Trump hats here. Upon moving to the south, I knew it would be different, difficult, and challenging. Working in an almost exclusively male-dominated inter- industry, it has always been hard for me to prove myself. In short, I have been miserable here, I haven't made any friends outside of work associates and I don't know that I even want to. My entire point is this: Your podcast has saved my sanity. After the shooting here in Florida, I engaged a very racist and far-right-leaning co-worker in a discussion about arming teachers admittedly i got loud with him thankfully my big boss wasn't there at the time i was then able to listen to the two of you have compassion emotion and awe toward the children that stood up after the shooting and create a voice for the youth of this country i patiently wait for each of your new shows to drop i listen to and from work at 1.5 times the speed on apple Podcasts so <laughs> I, I can I'll get ne- through each show i in will the drive never, time.
1: i will never understand that <laughs>
2: Side note, when I have listened to the show at normal speed because I have a longer drive and more time to dedicate to absorbing Jesse's rage or Brittany's bewildered scoffs, you both sound drunk and slurry. It makes me giggle. So thank you for that as well. I could go on and on about how getting measured, thoughtful, informed commentary on our current political environment has saved me from walking into the swamp behind my house. Yay, Florida. I think the next best thing is putting my money where my mouth is. So please take my $10 a month with my utmost gratitude. And maybe next time you have co-hosts, I can throw my hat in the ring. That episode was good times. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, thank- I think it's
1: because I always say good times, everybody.
2: Thank you again from the bottom of my bleeding liberal heart. You're both the best part, and.
1: And thank you very much. <laughs> Oh.
2: Yeah, I can't do the 1.5 speed. Yeah. I, I, it sounds like an auctioneer talking. I can do it if someone talks very slow, which some of my podcasts, that is the situation.
1: Yeah. Um, like in ish
2: Yeah, where it makes sense <laughs> to speed it up because then it just, they're talking at a normal Yeah, but if I think we already talk kind of fast, I
1: can't imagine how my voice sounds at one and a half speed when I'm introducing the show and just getting or when I'm when we're when we're coming out of the show and I'm just I'm saying goodbye. Yeah, because I'm rattling off phone numbers and fucking email addresses. And it's it's, you know,
2: yeah, it it is wacky
1: morning zoo guy. Yeah, yeah, kind of go into right. But and thank you. Seriously, I First of all, all of that is beautiful. Um not least of which is the listenership and and feeling uh, appreciative or touched by some of our episodes that get a little Those are my least favorite episodes. When 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 tears are shed and um I'm getting emotional now. Um and and not because I don't want to cry in front of people.
3: Mhm.
2: Because it's exhausting.
1: Yeah, and because I want this show to be entertaining. But it's good to know that those episodes are meaningful, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Yeah. Well, and I hope that um, Anne is a part of the Dollar More listener group because- On Facebook. Like she said, that she doesn't have a lot of connections with people and it's been kind of hard to connect with people in the area. Yeah. And so the nice thing about the internet uh, sometimes is that you can find <laughs> people who <laughs> uh, are, are nice and yeah. you can find a community outside of your community online. Um, as long as it's not incels, So, um, the dollar More listener group is a place where like-minded people kind of come together and they can talk about political issues and whatever. Um, so if Anne is not a part of that group, I would hope that she joins it. Yeah. Um, and maybe that can, that can help with connecting her with some people, even people in Florida.
1: Yeah. There's some Florida people. Yeah. So the other thing, um, is the Trump hat thing. Mm hmm. I don't know that I've ever encountered someone in the wild wearing a Trump hat.
2: Oh, for sure.
1: You think I have?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Huh. Where?
2: Um, Out and about in Orange County.
1: Oh, I don't know.
2: I'm pretty sure. I've seen a couple.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have. I, I would say something. Like if I'm standing in line at a what Starbucks. What would you say? I don't know. I think I would say something like, huh? Trump, huh? All right, yeah, I, there would be some snark well then, he's, some snide then he, no thing. that
2: doesn't sound like snark. that sounds like we're one and the same. no, brother. no, I
1: would make it I would make it known that I'm displeased, okay, um I, I don't know i I, I don't I, I know that I've not seen one like in my space because something would be said.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of not a lar-
1: aggressive, like hey, fuck you. But you well, know. that's why
2: I was asking because I'm wondering what you would say specifically. But I every time I see a red hat, I'm on edge. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> we, like, we what driving- does that red hat say? <laughs> we were
1: driving the other day, and there was a a lady running on the sidewalk, and she had a red hat on. Yeah, and I was like, w- I slowed down. I wanted to get the deets. I want to figure out <laughs> is that a Trump hat? Because because I, I, it's so rare. I haven't. I, I don't see them. Yeah. I know that we live in Trump country.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that a lot of Trump supporters, they probably have them at home, yeah. but I don't know that they're walking around with the hat on all the time. That seems... We, we need more information We don't live near
1: Kanye, so, you know, we don't, we don't see a lot of them. Yeah. So, shall we get to a voicemail, or you got one more email you want to get to first?
2: Yeah, we have one more email. Oh, right. uh, this is from Kate.
1: Thank you, Anne, by the way. Yes. W- beautiful email. We appreciate it very
3: much.
2: Yeah, we also love when we... Uh, We haven't heard from someone before that's been listening for so long. And, you know, people are just out there. And they always say, like, only a certain percentage of your audience will interact with you or let you know that they exist. And that's
1: less than than 1%.
2: And that seems to be true because. We hear from people and they're like, Oh, we've been listening to the show for a year or two years, and here we are. And yeah, I'm yeah. like, What? Where have you been? <laughs> okay, um, hey, Jesse and Brittany, listening to episode 405, and when you were discussing the topic of the intellectual dark web, something caught my attention in your discussion of whether people follow the facts, you mentioned about how people get their information from podcasts and Twitter and other social media. I was wondering if you think there is a solution. If I had to think about it, mine would be to question everything and use my brain to solve the problems that I encounter. Follow up, what do you think we can do to foster this type of discourse in our society? I feel like people forget that they have a brain and we are all reduced to toddlers arguing over who's right. That's my two cents. Love the show. You are both the best part. Kate from California. Um, when, I
1: know you have thoughts about this. When
2: I said people getting their information from Twitter or podcasts, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Okay. I just think it's not good when someone is like, I listened to this one podcast and now I have, like, the expertise to go to battle with everyone on the internet. Um, and when I say that, I'm, like, particularly speaking about, like, this Sam Harris thing that happened. Yeah. Um. Or situations similar to that. People where
1: are, they're, they're geneticists because they listen to Charles Murray... And, and Sam Harris jerk each other off about black people having lower IQs.
2: Right, I mean, there's a reason that it takes a lot of schooling to become an expert in these fields. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't happen because you listened to, you know, a two-hour conversation on Joe Rogan.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so I, I, I don't think it's bad to get information that way. I think that's actually a great way to get information. And I listen to a ton of podcasts. And when I hear someone interviewed, what I typically do, and this actually happens happened yesterday. I was listening to a podcast about poverty and I noted the guy's name that they were interviewing and I went to his website and I looked at his like academic references mm-hmm. and then I um, looked at the book that he's written and I want to buy the book that he's written so I can read the book. Yeah. Um, and those are the kind of things that I think Kate is getting to where if you look at something on Twitter and you read an article or you listen to a podcast and hear something that shouldn't be the end of the road, right? Yeah. Um. If you're that interested in the topic and you want to be informed to a point where you can argue it with people, um, it's going to take more than that. And even with the Sam Harris thing, that was my primary argument was that there are this is like so much you're taking on to really yeah, get yeah, into yeah. this. And it requires a lot of time reading from academics to really get the full weight of the situation so what is my advice to people (laughs) similar to what Kate's advice was just continuing that education um, even after you you get the information
1: I would come at it from a different standpoint and my I'm looking at it from a different uh, not that angle I'm looking at it from like when I hear things Like There have been several times where there's a quote and it's supposed to be Michelle Bachman or Sarah Palin. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: it sounds even radical for one of those maniacs. And I'll be like, "Ah, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, yeah. Always test what you hear. If it sounds too good to be true, like, oh, that is ah, memeable. That is beautiful. Look that shit up, man. Yeah. It very well could be just bullshit. And you don't want to be someone... Who furthers that bullshit, even if it's something that agrees with your your worldview, your political view? Yeah, uh, even shit we say, we get called out. I got called out this week. In fact, this is a perfect time to do it. I was gonna, I would have forgotten. It's last episode we talked about Freedom from Religion Foundation. In whatever context it was.
2: The girl who called the police on the black student. That's right. And she had worked for them for a time. Or interned right. there. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I said, yeah, those fucking assholes. We talked about them on like episode one of the podcast. And it wasn't them. It was the American Humanist Association. Mm-hmm. And it was makeshift roadside crosses that were being... They were taking them to court that so people couldn't... You know, when someone dies in a car crash and the family goes and puts like two sticks together on the side of the road... Um, and I thought that was frivolous and stupid and and and, and uh you, all you're doing is making someone's pain and grief. when well, now we're rehashing this fucking four year old story, but um and I was wrong. It wasn't Freedom from Religion Foundation, it was a different group.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh it was either American atheist or American humanist. I don't even whatever. I don't mind getting called out. So when you hear something that even my dumbass says, check me on it. Cause it could I could be wrong. Yeah. We try very hard to be correct and to say correct things. You have been a driving force of that because I am more emotional and say dumb shit sometimes.
2: Even when you said that on the show, I got stressed out. (laughs) Actually, I'm being serious. So when someone corrected you, I was like, when he said that, I remember feeling stressed out. Like, is that the right one? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Honestly. So look, I, I say
1: it all the time. I don't mind. I would rather there be tons of disagreement calling into the show Mm -hmm. like when mark the mailman calls in
2: Mm -hmm.
1: i don't mind that i like dissent because it gives us a chance to have a conversation yeah and really hash things out and part of that is being called out when we're fucking wrong when i am wrong you're rarely wrong because you're very careful
2: the harder part of kate's question is what do you think we can do to foster this type of discourse in our society um
1: Yeah, oh, that's
2: that's like the magic question. Yeah, right that's now. the thirty
1: thousand foot view.
2: Yeah. Um I did read this article though. It's called How You Can Be a Less Politically Polarizing Person. Facts so romantic. Um, we'll post this to the page. But one thing that they talked about there, um, in that article, it's uh this quote, quote, the hack was to enmesh yourself in a community where your social identity hinges on the accuracy and thoughtfulness of what you say, mm. rather than on the ideological points you might score.
1: That is awesome.
2: Yeah. And I think that this is important. Um, and I encountered... I thought you were going to
1: say in poor taste, but you said in Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I encountered this a lot on the internet where you say something and a tribal mentality kind of takes over and the people that you're talking to and they respond to you in a way that is not genuinely interested in what you have to say or being factually accurate. It like you can just tell when it's coming from an emotional place of like defense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's not good for the discourse. We should all care about facts. The problem is that people don't and Part of that is because the administration doesn't and yeah, sure. they're operating from a place where they just blatantly lie and uh, then the followers kind of do that too and regurgitate what they're saying. So whatever. Anyway, don't don't give up, though, I think is the important point. Um, don't give up on trying to make people care about the facts. And I... I I guess that's it. No, don't I mean, don't give th- up. You I, you distracted me for a second there. I'm sorry. Um, but don't give up. Number one, and even if 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 you run into people who don't care, keep trying to make them care. Yeah. And this happened with someone who shared that um article about like worms being in Dasani water or something. I don't remember what it was anymore. But I commented. Well, I couldn't comment because I was blocked from commenting. Um, so I Probably because
1: me- you fact-checked one- once before. Cause
2: I- so I messaged them and I said, just so you know, this isn't a real thing. you know. And I linked to some evidence that it wasn't a real thing. It's a fake article.
1: And they never took it down. Yeah,
2: they left it up. And people had commented and said, oh my God, this is so scary. Like several comments yeah. of people freaking out about it. And because we're on social media, we have a responsibility for what we share to be accurate, and I really believe that, and I take it seriously. And so, even if someone's not listening, I'm gonna fact check it because someone else might see it. Yeah, and that's it true. might benefit them for sure. You know. So anyway, but
1: listen, you're. I don't think you're asking for a solution, but certainly steps in the right direction, and that's really all we can do. Yeah. being individuals. But if we, if enough of us as individuals do the fact checking, do the calling out, you know, in in a in a spirit of of um, not, I got gotcha, you, hey, fuck you, but a spirit of kindness, I think it'll go a long way. Yeah. So thank you very much, Kate. We appreciate the, 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 the emails. Let's get to a couple of voicemails.
4: What's going on, Brittany and Jesse? This is Christopher from Las Vegas, and I just had a statement I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on. Um, When Rudy Giuliani joined the Trump legal team about two weeks ago and did his first interview, uh, he mucked everything up. And I think that was exactly why Rudy was brought on to the team. Uh, He doesn't have very much credibility, especially with this past election and everything involving with what he knew and what he didn't know about WikiLeaks and all the other stuff. And um, he was brought on just to muck up the truth once again, uh, drop a bunch of lies, maybe a couple half truths. And so nobody really knows exactly what the real story is. Uh, After his statements over the last day or two about AT&T and Trump being involved with trying to turn down that merger and then Trump once again rebutting what he had to say and say he had nothing to do with it. And Rudy doesn't really know all the facts yet and all this other stuff. It's the same exact situation all over again. Um, So that's my thoughts and that Rudy. Was simply brought on to muck up the truth, and so nobody knows what the truth is, and everybody's chasing, chasing down ten lies, trying to find the truth in any of them, and so it just has all the media just going in circles and circles and circles. um So that's my thoughts on it. I want to know if you guys agree or don't agree, um, and what your thoughts are on it. Thanks.
1: So uh, that could be that could be the case that Rudy was brought on. Uh, Rudy Giuliani was brought on to you know, as you say, muck up the truth and. Um, create a diversion, so to speak, for the public. But I I don't think it matters if that's the case at all because while the public might not know what the full truth is and the real story is, as you said, you know who does? Robert fucking Mueller. (laughs) That guy does know. And whether you and I know the truth, Christopher, is meaningless. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the fact that Robert Mueller, we find out something about, uh, last week we found out about this oligarch thing and and uh, Michael Cohen. Right. And in October, Robert Mueller knew about it, was in interviewing people. Yeah. So, the shit that we don't know could fill a fucking ocean right now. Robert Mueller is taking care of business. Robert Mueller is on top of this. Robert Mueller is controlling leaks. He's handling this with professionalism, with an eye for justice. And th- they're not gonna get away with the shit that they're trying to get away with.
2: can I ask you to make a grand prognostication? Hmm. When is Robert Mueller going to drop the hammer?
1: Um, I mean,
2: if you had to guess like if you were gonna put money down if you do they have like a a bet going on I, this? I'm
1: sure someone does I, I don't know what 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 month is it May? Yeah. Um, um. Inside of 10 months Okay 8 to 10 months I bet
2: Okay Yeah uh, Sorry to <laughs> Spring this on you No and, no I, I And bet, yeah, throw you to, off
1: guard 8 to 10 months Yeah And then we can uh, At the end of the it, it, I'm giving the, you
2: an opportunity For trumpets in, Yeah <laughs> I hope it happens tomorrow so that <laughs> you're wrong and so it will happen tomorrow. It is not
1: going to happen tomorrow.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm so excited, though.
1: Uh, so anyway, Christopher, that, that's what I think about that. I mean, it very well could have been. I I don't even want to say it's cynical to think that because I think there's some logic there that he very well could have been there to just, you know, obfuscate and create a, a distraction for everybody. But... Rest assured, audience, uh, there's one man who's not going to be distracted by the fucking parlor tricks of Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, and that's uh, Robert Mueller. So. There's
2: always a part of me that wants to believe there's some higher order thing going on, and there's a lot of strategy involved. And
1: Yeah, I don't think they're that smart.
2: Yeah, I just think it always comes down to that's not the case. Well,
1: The, the other reason I th- think that is because he did cause Donald Trump some fucking problems. Yeah. He certainly caused uh michael cohen problems
2: yeah they tried to act like it was all part of the
1: plan i don't think rudy's gonna be around much longer you know i think he'll be gone within two weeks Mm. just moving on Mm -hmm. so thanks christopher we appreciate the call um now let's get to we talked about um dj Khaled the other day
2: yeah he was asshole today he was
1: asshole of today because he says he doesn't go down on his wife but, but he expects his wife to go down on him because he's the king, right? Because he pays for her food.
2: And what if she wanted him to go down on her? <laughs> no, no, no. What I don't if do she that. stopped
1: going down on you? Oh, no, no, no. Right. Yeah. So uh, you and have to get
2: all the layers in there. <laughs> there's a lot of
1: well, there is a lot of layers. Yeah. Anyway, we we got a call on it, uh, not unexpected,
5: and here it is. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Austin from Boise. I just wanted to weigh in on the asshole of today from episode 404. It was DJ Khaled. I have no idea who the fuck that is, (laughs) but I wanted to give my two cents. This last semester, I was enrolled in a sociology of sex class that was corresponding with my gender studies minor that I've embarked on. And for my final paper, I wrote about the orgasm gap between men and women and the correlation of oral sex and how that plays a part in it. Now, according to 538.com, in a survey of 1931 U.S. adults between the ages of 18 and 59, 91% of the men surveyed said they climaxed during their last sexual encounter. That compares to about two-thirds, 64% of women, said the same. Now, this seems to me to be problematic and would point to the lack of reciprocity between these sorts of sexual acts and the mindsets that men hold that are in line with DJ Khaled's ridiculously misogynist and patriarchal viewpoint on oral sex. So I have two points here. One, as a guy, just because You get off when a woman looks at your dick doesn't mean the same is going to happen for her. Sometimes it (laughs) takes work, and that's just a biological fact, and you should be ready and willing and eager to get that shit done. And two, DJ Khaled, if you want to be the fucking king, then be the king and suck it up and go the fuck down. I think this outdated, outmoded version of sexual expectation that men still are clinging to today is completely contrary to the progress that we fought for in modernity, especially relating to sexual liberation. The suppression, sexual or otherwise, of women in this this nature is absolutely unacceptable, despicable, and I am... So happy that he received the, the backlash and critical feedback from so many people. Women, nor anyone, it are to be used as a sexual utility. You expect a woman to put that funkified <laughs> dick that's been stuffed into your sweaty, stuffy jeans all day in her mouth, but you won't turn around and do the same thing? Obvious issues with hygiene here. Then you're an asshole. Straight up. You're a dick. It's high time for guys everywhere to shed this misconception of that is a one-way street. Because that goes both ways. I wouldn't expect somebody to do something for me that I wouldn't do for them. And quite frankly, that is one of my favorite things to do. So, I'll leave you guys with this. Um, a good friend of mine gave me some great advice a couple years ago regarding oral sex and he said go down and stay down those are words that live my life by <laughs> Jesse Brittany hope you guys are well love you lots bye
2: so Austin is really taking care of biz uh, Austin
1: is the king the king
2: yeah um <laughs>
1: We love Austin. We have a personal relationship with Austin, uh, an old buddy from Boise, and uh, one of the most beautiful human beings I know. Yes, awesome.
2: Yes. Really is a
1: king. Mm-hmm. goddamn remarkable.
2: Well, we heard that. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so we did get a little bit of pushback, which was interesting for the DJ Khaled segment from Mikey in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I was I, a little
1: surprised by that.
2: Well, I think his perception of our conversation was that like DJ Khaled should be doing that regardless of whether his partner wants it or something that's kind of the vibe I got. So and he does
1: he was his perception that maybe she doesn't want that?
2: Well, I think his perception was like we shouldn't be shaming someone like if that's not what his wife wants from him. Hmm. And I don't think that that was part of the conversation yeah it It,
1: it was i'm not gonna do it whether or not she wants it right doesn't fucking matter
2: and and not only that i'm gonna demand that she does that to me because i give her food
1: whether or not she wants to right and i
2: provide the house and so she's gonna bow down and S the d and yeah so that was sweaty
1: as austin said funkified fermented jeans dick
2: all right (laughs) uh (laughs) <laughs> the 538 article that Austin referenced is a really great one um from 2015 the gender orgasm gap and in it along with the stats that Austin cited there was also a perception gap between um men and women so the like he said um the findings said that 91% of men said they climaxed during their last sexual encounter but just 64% of women said that but then they asked the men How many of, uh, (laughs) did your partner climax the last time you guys had sex?
1: Was it something remarkably high? And
2: men said that 85%. Oh,
1: come on. Yeah.
2: 85% of men said that their partners um, had climaxed. it It
1: was off by 21%.
2: Far higher than the percentage of women that said they're climaxing. Wow. And this is part of the problem too, where DJ Khaled may have the perception that, well, she's fine. She's happy. She's getting what she needs. That's probably not the case. Yeah. Um, and I think men also need to let go of this perception that, you know, I get off, so she's getting off too. That, like yeah. Austin said, that's not that's not necessarily the case. Well,
1: I think also it could probably be, and then we'll put this thing to bed. No pun intended. But um, if he thinks he's so good at what he does, I'm the king. I do. I put into work. I do work. I, all of that was to say, I'm good and bad. I'm I'm getting it done, son. Likely not the case there. Turd sandwich. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So, hopefully, uh, DJ Khaled will check out this 538 article and. That's
1: very unlikely. Really
2: comb over these numbers and see if he can (laughs) implement some changes.
1: Douche chill. (laughs) So. We love the feedback. We love furthering the conversation with you guys. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always do like Christopher and Austin did and email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dolamore comes from generous, engaged,
0: intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going
1: and move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit Patreon.com/slash I doubt it with Anne. Anne, of course, we've already mentioned.
2: And Kyle.
1: And Kyle. Beautiful. That is awesome. Two new new patreon supporters <laughs> if you if patreon is not your thing which is is okay it is moving us closer to three episodes a week with each and every new patron um if that's not your thing you can shop on Amazon under our affiliate link which is dollarmore.com slash Amazon every little bit goes a long way towards supporting the show helping produce the show bonus content. Regular numbered episodes, all of it is a help. So we thank you guys. We appreciate you and love you and your listenership and your loyalty to the show and us and helping us move the conversation forward. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Stalemocracy Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Let's start with the news about the White House staffer who said it doesn't matter what John McCain says because he's dying anyway on a call between congressional staffers and White House staffers.
2: Isn't this remarkable? I mean, what would they say if a liberal had said this? A liberal, you know?
1: Oh, they they hate the military. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Right that they're contemptuous, that they don't support the troops. All of all of those things would be trotted out. It is a
1: weird time that we live where, unlike any other moment in history that I can ever remember, they want it both ways. They want to be the party of the military. You've got Donald Trump acting like he's the first person in 10 years to give a pay raise to the military, even though every year for 30 fucking years the military's gotten a pay raise. In fact, the first year under Donald Trump, they get a 2.4% pay raise. The first year under Obama, they got a 3.9% pay raise. But they they want to be the most militaristic, the most supportive of the troops. They just don't fucking do it. They malign literal war heroes and POWs. They don't apologize for it. She still has her job, this Kelly Slater. Here's Shep Smith coming out of the the presser, the the daily press briefing with Sarah Huckabee Sanders having not apologized, not acknowledging. All of these pundits are like, we don't even know if it really happened. Well, then why did she call this Kelly Slater person? That's her name, right? Yes. Sounds like a character on uh,
2: Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell, is mm-hmm. it? I, there's Slater, and then I think there's also Kelly. Oh, okay. Wait, no. Is that the character's name?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know.
2: I guess I have a computer right here. <laughs> We're doing that thing where they're like, wait a Wait, no, he's a real surfer.
1: Oh, he's a surfer. So anyway, um, all these pundits are saying, well, we don't even know if she really sell it. Well, she apologized. She called Meghan McCain and apologized. So why would she apologize?
2: Okay, so Kelly Slater is a surfer. And then there's Kelly Kapowski. Kelly Kapowski. And Slater, who was uh, this guy.
1: Yeah, the guy from, I don't know.
2: Yeah, him. The
1: Anyway, well, let's get He's to the on, clip. He's on like
2: ET now, Entertainment yeah, Tonight. Yeah. That's he, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, can't remember his name.
1: He's always at the Grove in LA. Yeah, what's the...
2: happening to my brain? I don't
1: know, but can we get to the clip? Yeah, we sure can. Or should we, we want to have a talk about. Uh...
2: No, I want to identify the different celebrities that are on my computer screen. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Here's Shep Smith. The White House press briefing for the day, Sarah Sanders wrapping up. She would not comment on a White House staffer saying that Senator John McCain does not matter because he's dying anyway. Again, wait. That was said by a White House staffer. She won't comment on it. A White House staffer said that. The senator's daughter and The View co host, Megan McCain, said Special Assistant Kelly Sadler should be out of a job. Sadler.
7: The thing that surprises me most is, uh, I was talking about this with you, Joy, that we, I don't understand what kind of environment you're working in when that would be acceptable, and then you can come to work the next day and still have a job.
6: And she does still have a job. Sarah Sanders did confirm that. Fox News confirms a report from The Hill that the White House special assistant said of Senator McCain, and I quote, it doesn't matter, he's dying anyway, unquote after the senator told colleagues not to vote for President Trump's pick to run the CIA. Senator McCain, who was a prisoner of war in Vietnam for five years, said CIA nominee Gina Haspel's refusal to say that torture is immoral is disqualifying. Senator McCain is at home in Arizona enduring an aggressive form of brain cancer. The White House does not deny reports of the staffer's comments, but released a statement to The Hill that reads in part... We respect Senator McCain's service to our nation. That same day, retired three-star General Tom McInerney said on the Fox Business Network that torture worked on Senator McCain while he was a POW, saying that's why they call him Songbird John. Following that comment, a network spokesperson confirmed the former Fox military analyst will no longer be invited to appear as a guest on either Fox Business Network or Fox News Channel. Good for them. Fox Business Network's Charles Payne wrote on his Twitter, my apology to Senator McCain and his family. This morning on on a show I was hosting, a guest made a very false and derogatory remark about Senator McCain. At the time, I had the control room in my ear telling me to wrap the segment, and I did not hear the comment. He went on, Mm -hmm. the remark does not reflect my or the network's feelings. So here we are. A retired general accusing an American hero of being a traitor and a White House staffer saying out loud that a senator's position doesn't matter because he's dying anyway.
1: This is the the America we live in right now. This is the Trump administration, the most militaristic, most supportive of the military.
2: Yeah. Well, and I know that people get sick of the argument of, well, what would have happened if Obama did this. But honestly, think about what would have happened if one of Hillary, if Hillary Clinton had won and one of her staffers made this joke and it was leaked that one of her staffers made this joke.
1: One, they'd be fucking fired.
2: It would be there would be a living hell would erupt.
1: Especially over at Fox Mitch News. Mitch McConnell
2: would be issuing statements. Paul yeah. Ryan would be issuing statements. I mean, there would, it would be... It
1: would be 24-7 coverage on Fox yes. News.
2: Yes, and because this is just the way that the discourse is now, and that this is apparently just acceptable discourse, right? there's hardly any talk about it. And they did ask Sarah Huckabee Sanders at the press briefing, and she did not... Um, say that this person's going to lose her job, right? I don't even know if she apologized no, for it.
1: No, no, not at all. And w- wouldn't acknowledge it because I don't talk about what happens in staff meetings.
2: Right. And this woman, Kelly Sadler. Sadler. That's why it didn't sound right to me. Yeah. I hope people aren't going to pause the podcast before we realize and send in a correction. We, we know now. <laughs> um, <laughs> she this woman called Megan McCain to apologize. Yeah. And Megan McCain said, that's fine and everything, but you need to make a public apology. And she said she would, and she has not. Yeah. So we're we're still waiting on that public apology. Um, But other things have happened where Mercedes Schlapp, you might remember, um, Matt Schlapp, the couple who got up and left during the White House correspondence. Because they dinner, were so
1: offended. Because
2: the jokes about abortion were so offensive that they had to get up and leave and tweet from the limo on the way to their uh, party at MSNBC or whatever. T-
1: tweet from their limo that they were being attacked by the elites.
2: Right. That's prick shit,
1: right?
2: That's prick shit. Uh, Mercedes Schlapp is defending Kelly Sadler. Yeah, and saying that she doesn't need to apologize. It was just a joke. Yeah, and it was a joke. Oh, look at this like great sense of humor that Mercedes Schlapp has developed since the White House Correspondence Center. Uh, That's odd, right?
1: Only on Fox News. Only there would this kind of shit be acceptable, mm-hmm. and it is. Mm-hmm. It's other than other than Shep Smith that you just heard. It's getting getting okay coverage. Mm-hmm. That it's just liberals overreacting about a comment that a low-level staffer made.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. The other thing that came out of the press briefing, though, Brittany Page,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders explaining why. <laughs> and really, seriously, we're going to get to a clip after that explains this entire thing. Um. We, we talked briefly about it, that AT&T and Novartis and some other companies got caught paying Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's attorney, a total of millions of dollars, but paying him for access to the White House, paying him for information about what was going on in the White House, kind of a back channel that he was soliciting himself to try to make this money.
2: Truly remarkable.
1: And they asked specifically about the AT&T money. Because they have business with the federal government right now. (laughs) And her answer is, mmm, just delicious.
0: Thanks, Sarah. Uh, This week, the CEOs of AT&T and Novartis both said that they thought it was a mistake for their companies to work with the president's
4: lawyer. Uh, Does the President think it was a mistake for his lawyer to work with them? Uh, I think that this further proves that the President's not going to be influenced by special interest. This is actually the definition of draining the swamp, something the President talked about repeatedly uh, during the campaign. And um, for anything beyond that, I would direct you to the President's outside counsel.
0: The definition of draining the swamp, right? I think it's pretty clear that the Department of Justice opposed
4: uh, the merger, and so certainly the president has not been influenced by any, uh, or his administration influenced by any outside special interest. <clears throat> Sorry,
1: Sarah, so she's Sorry. claiming he wasn't involved, but then again... To Christopher's point, Rudy Giuliani said the exact opposite thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, she was obviously reading this answer. Yes. She was trying to make it look like she wasn't reading it. It was one of those things where she was trying to be artful. And It, it and was
1: a prepared statement.
2: It for sure was. So they knew this question was coming, and this was the amazing response that they came up with. That they prepared, because they thought that this would be a good response. Yeah, yeah. It's a horrible response. The, Embarrassing.
1: Look, the fact... That Donald Trump's personal attorney took hundreds of thousands of dollars from AT and T to provide access to the White House for them. That is the definition of draining the swamp. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me?
2: So I loved this because while I was watching it, I saw Peter Alexander. um, He's the national correspondent for NBC News. I saw his face, (laughs) (laughs) and I took a screenshot of it and tweeted it because he's just like, wait a minute. What are you saying? Yeah, I mean he—it's just bewildered. He—he he, he can't even believe that what what she's saying.
1: It, it's ridiculous. Which
2: happens most of the time during the press conference. Yes. Yeah.
1: So a little background here: it's not just Novartis, it's not just AT and T, it's not just Korean Aerospace. There are other far more problematic entities that have funneled money to Essentials Cons- Essential Consultants, the same company, the same LLC that he formed, to pay off Stormy Daniels. Again, just fucking morons left and right here. The other company is a closely tied to a Russian oligarch who is a side-by-side buddy of Vladimir Putin.
4: New allegation that President Trump's former personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, received half a million dollars in payments from a firm reportedly linked to a Russian billionaire with close ties to the Kremlin. That claim made by Stormy Daniels attorney Michael Abinati. He's going to join us live in a moment to talk with George. But first, let's go to our chief justice correspondent. Pierre Thomas has the latest. Good morning, Pierre.
3: Robin, good morning. That's right. Stormy Daniels' attorney today is saying, follow the money, and is claiming that Michael Cohen received hundreds of thousands of dollars from a company tied to a Russian billionaire with links to Putin. It's a stormy day. This morning, attorney Michael Avenatti waging a public campaign against Donald Trump, alleging a connection between an ally of Vladimir Putin and Michael Cohen, President Trump's former personal attorney. Avenatti releasing a document that his firm prepared, claiming that a company called Columbus Nova transferred $500,000 in installments to a bank account maintained by Cohen. The American-owned firm has ties to a company controlled by Russian oligarch, Victor Vexelberg.
8: Mr. Vexelberg has had long, very large investments in Russia, in the energy sector, and he is therefore very close and beholding to
0: the government.
3: According to Avenatti, Columbus Nova made a series of eight payments in 2017 to a holding company established by Cohen known as Essential Consultants. Cohen used Essential Consultants to negotiate a hush agreement with porn star Stormy Daniels just before the 2016 election. The New York Times reported earlier this year that special counsel Robert Mueller's team has interviewed Vexelberg. But an attorney with Columbus Nova said last night that the company's ownership is entirely American, that Vexelberg had nothing to do with its business with Cohen. According to Avenatti's memo, unconfirmed by ABC News, Essential Consultants received a total of $4.4 million, including wire transfers from a number of major corporations doing business inside the United States, among them, AT&T, which wired Cohen payments totaling $200,000. Last night, AT&T, which has a major merger with Time Warner pending that's being challenged by the Justice Department, did not dispute the transaction, saying, Essential Consultants was one of several firms we engaged in early 2017 to provide insights into understanding the new administration. They did no legal or lobbying work for us, and the contract ended in December 2017. Cohen, whose home and offices have been recently raided by the FBI, has not been charged with any crime. Both he and his attorney did not respond to ABC News' requests for comment on Avenatti's claims. Throughout Mueller's investigation, they have maintained that Cohen has done nothing improper. It's unclear exactly how Avenatti got access to those banking records, but he's maintaining that they are authentic and deserving of investigation by prosecutors.
1: And a part of this they didn't get into is the fact that Michael Avenatti has been right up to this point about everything he said. In fact, right now he's getting ready to drop what looks like to be a... Ma- that's going to make this story look like child's play regarding a Saudi uh, royal family member and some conglomeration or some merger of uh, a Saudi company and a uh, Chinese company that also was in, in bed with Rosneft, which is that oil company in Russia, mm-hmm. and that he was also dealing with Michael Cohen in Trump town. Ta- anyway.
2: He posted a live video yeah. from like December 2016 on Twitter a couple minutes ago, um, and he points you to the exact time that they yeah. walk into the building and the exact time they walk out of the building.
1: I suspect we're going to be talking about this on Wednesday,
6: Mm-hmm. For the
1: midweek show, because it's going to be huge. Yeah. Let's wait and see what happens. Anyway, the other thing about this that they didn't talk about is they said the 500, this this Russian connected company. So it's a guy who has a company called Columbus Nova, whose first cousin is this Russian oligarch. Mm-hmm. And they sent five. What consulting did Michael Cohen do? Right when he has no expertise in the area of their their business. Yeah. And they sent $500,000 in installment payments and it is speculated now that the reason they did installments because it's a multi it's you know, a company they don't have to do installment they could just send them the money. Right. was to try to cover up any suspicion from banking officials so they wouldn't alert the authorities.
2: Mm, it worked.
1: It didn't work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good idea, guys. So Let's do this thing to make it not look suspicious. <laughs> right, that makes right. it look really <laughs> <Totally> suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> but so let's let's also
1: let's do the thing.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: If Hillary had won, yeah, and then Russian oligarch connected companies were sending money to her personal attorney, Fox News would be losing their goddamn mind right now. Right. Instead, they wanted an investigation into the emails and I, again.
2: I also want to say because people trump supporters might think or someone listening to this might think yeah but what would the democrats be doing and listen the democrats might be silent because the, of partisanship that's right. for and, sure and
1: they would be fucking wrong but yes. you know who, but wouldn't, you know
2: be who wouldn't be silent is jake tapper or us yeah us or jake tapper yes or chris, chris cuomo the media they would the, be screaming the people that they try to say are biased against them no jake tapper he was hated by president obama because he was always causing problems.
1: Right. Asking tough questions. And that's
2: what they're supposed to do. And that's what they would be doing if this was Hillary Clinton doing all this stuff. Are you kidding me?
1: And it's what they should be doing if it was yeah, Hillary Clinton. They want
2: to get those awards at the White House Correspondence Center for yes. doing good investigative reporting. They would yes. be trying to get to the bottom of the truth regardless of who it is. Donald Trump is not being bullied. He's not special. Trust me.
1: Tippy top shape. He's pretty special. Mm-hmm. He's real, real special.
2: Whatever you say, Jesse. D.
6: It's the asshole of today.
2: I guess it would be the school.
1: Mansfield School District.
2: Yes, Mansfield School District.
1: In Dallas. In
2: Dallas. Yeah, you have a name written there, and that threw me off and made me panicked.
1: Mansfield LSD teacher files federal discrimination lawsuit. Huh. That's what it says.
2: There's a name next to Asshole of Today that threw me off. Right here? Yes, that is correct.
1: That says Love the Show. Brittany's the best part. Love
2: the show. No, the name next to Asshole of Today. Right there. Here? Nope. Over the one that you clicked on to play that was playing. No. (laughs) All right. This is a lot of sausage being made. (laughs) Trust me, I'm not crazy. There is a different name written right now. No, no, no. You're pointing in the wrong place. Over here. Yes, right there. Correct.
1: These, okay, this board is all sounds <laughs> that we play normally when we talk on the show. These are the show this, the sounds that are specifically for this episode.
2: You know what? You're wrong. I'm right. Okay? Oh, really? Yeah. Am I? Yeah. I'm okay. like, right,
1: is it right here? This one? Anyway, no. Which one?
2: That one. Asshole of today. This? Yes.
1: Yeah, that's the person who made that sound for me.
2: Yeah, I knew that. Uh... <laughs> 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 okay, here's what happened, guys. At Mansfield School District, um, a teacher, her name is Stacy Bailey. On the first day of school, she was showing the students pictures of her parents, her fiance, and her best friends. It's a common icebreaker that teachers use to get to know their or allow yeah. the students to get to know them, right?
1: Yeah. You tell me a little about you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about me.
2: Right. And she got into some hot water over it.
8: A Mansfield teacher is suing the school district, claiming she was discriminated against because she's gay. The federal lawsuit says the district removed her from teaching elementary school children in the fall after showing a picture of her future wife. Fox News' Natalie Solis, live at the Earl Cabell Federal Courthouse in downtown Dallas. Natalie.
7: Well, Clarice, Stacy Bailey's attorney says she wants her job back. He says she also wants an apology and she wants for the district to treat gays and lesbians with respect and equality. VETERAN MANSFIELD ISD TEACHER STACY BAILEY IN A BLUE JACKET AFTER FILING A FEDERAL DISCRIMINATION LAWSUIT TUESDAY AGAINST HER EMPLOYER MANSFIELD ISD. BAILEY HAS SPENT 10 YEARS WITH THE DISTRICT, EMPLOYED AS AN ART TEACHER AT CHARLOTTE ANDERSON ELEMENTARY. SHE TAUGHT THEM ABOUT THE
0: ARTIST AND MADE THE PROJECTS FUN. SO THEY REALLY MISS HER.
7: The lawsuit says life changed dramatically for the two-time Teacher of the Year after she showed a first day of school PowerPoint presentation with pictures of her family and future wife. Bailey did not speak to reporters, but her wife and attorney did. Teaching art to these children has been her
2: life's love and passion. It is shocking and disappointing that Mansfield district officials treated my wife differently when she spoke about her
7: family just as every teacher does. According to the lawsuit, parents complained Bailey was promoting a homosexual agenda and showing sexually inappropriate images to children. September 8th, she was removed from teaching and placed on paid administrative leave. Bailey denies the allegations. In October, she was asked to resign, but refused. And after parents came to her defense, Mansfield ISD decided to renew her contract, but she was to be transferred to a secondary school. Her fight to stay at charlotte anderson elementary
8: transferring stacy out of charlotte anderson when she did nothing wrong sends the wrong message that lesbians and gays can't teach elementary students i don't have a problem with that personally i mean but you know as far as kids go that's a whole different
9: thing i mean it's for their parents to talk to them about it's not for a teacher to Talk
8: to them about for sure. Stacy believes that there's a, an appropriate time to discuss those issues, but she didn't discuss those issues with her children. The student, when she talked to the students, she talked about her family, and all families are worthy of respect.
7: Now, in a statement we received late this afternoon from the district, it says there was never an issue with Bailey's sexual preference until this year when her actions changed. It says at issue is whether Bailey followed guidelines that controversial subjects be taught in an impartial and objective manner. It says teachers shall not use the classroom to transmit personal belief regarding political or sectarian issues. The district says it denies all allegations and that it is confident this lawsuit has no merit. This is so just it's it's
2: so ridiculous. I did you hear the part where they said that she was showing sexually explicit pictures?
1: I'm looking at the picture right now on your laptop and it's seriously it's two girls in like
2: Dory costumes. Right. A Finding Nemo costume. And they're making
1: fish faces.
2: Yeah. They're making fish faces. Ridiculous. And
1: they have sunglasses on.
2: They have black um, like yoga pants on, and then one even has a black T-shirt under her Nemo outfit, so the T-shirt is coming through, and yeah. half her arm is covered. I mean, there's nothing.
3: Yeah, there's seriously,
2: seriously, nothing problematic with this photo. Um, also, they're acting like I'll tell you, it's problematic. <laughs> oh yeah. You mean what the-
0: you doing there, lesbian? The- Trying to gay up my
2: kid? I know. Sp- spreading a homosexual oh, course, agenda. Baby. For showing a picture of her with her future wife dressed as Dory and Nemo.
1: Talking about her... Like they said in the clip, talking about her family just like every other teacher does.
2: Right. She didn't show the picture and say, this is my future wife and can you believe it? The Republicans are finally letting us get married. I mean, there wasn't like a... (laughs) Why <laughs> there wasn't a political message attached to it Also do, do they think that when the heterosexual um teacher presents their PowerPoint and says, "Oh, look at my biological children that I have. Are they presenting like a pro-choice my political marriage are they I, are they presenting like a pro-choice political argument with yeah. their children represented there? Like, yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't understand what they're trying to say, what political message she was making because she's sharing a picture of her future wife. This is the way things are now, people.
1: It's legal. It is normal. it That's what, like, when the woman says, well, look, it's not up to her to be, that's something for the parents to talk about. If it's not, if it's okay for her to talk about having a husband, right. then it's just as okay under the eyes of the law right. to talk about having a wife.
2: Right. And even that woman that they interviewed, well, that's okay for adults to know about, but kids... No, Trump, it's baby. it's different for kids. What are you talking about? Yeah. The, again, I understand that like they don't.
3: She's not a Christian.
2: <laughs> I understand that they. This is the
1: cast of characters that are being interviewed for this for this news piece.
2: Yeah, I understand that they don't want to live in reality. But there have always been gay people, and now you cannot oppress them. Okay. What in about the country? majority? Okay, the so majority. So tired of protecting the minority. And they can talk about their family. Yes. Just like you can talk about your family, and it doesn't mean that it is demonic, and it doesn't mean that it's wrong and sinful, and that the children can't hear about it. This is the way life is, and they're going Listen, to encounter gay people and lesbians in their life.
1: If your religion says that you're not allowed to drink soda. And I picked that one because that's a real fucking thing. And your teacher shows you a picture of them enjoying an ice cold Coca-Cola.
2: Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no.
1: (laughs) That's not pushing. Listen, that's for the parents to be talking about soda. That's not a religious belief. That's a normal secular activity that is is, uh, allowed by law. Just like marriage. Yeah, I'm saying gay marriage is a lot like drinking Coca-Cola. Get over it.
2: Oh, <laughs> it's just really sad that.
1: I hope they get. Oh, I I hope the the, 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 the the well. Here's the problem. As I stumble through my words, la 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 la. Should should should
2: should There are no federal protections. That's an Arrested Development reference, by the way. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs>
8: So is
1: that? (laughs) So there, there is no federal protection right now for the LGBT community in employment. You can fire someone for being gay and not have it be a civil rights case. I bit my tongue again. God damn it! And that's a problem. Not here in California, you can't do that. There are a few states that have that have uh, made it on on a statewide basis uh, protection. I think they have federal protection relative to federal employment. But this is Texas. This is working for the state, or the the individual municipality re- relative to this the school district. This is a problem. This is twenty eighteen.
2: You know what else was upsetting about this is how they said that this wasn't a problem until she decided to change her actions. And all that means is she previously felt like she couldn't talk about her own family. That's right.
1: As long as she's quiet about it, in the closet about it, secretive about it. Yeah, It's a
2: don't ask, don't tell situation. No, she gets to talk about her family just like everyone else. And it's not pushing an agenda. She's just talking about her family. What is What is happening? Is she won Teacher of the Year twice? Yeah. She's been doing this for 10 years.
1: Asshole of today, everybody. Mansfield ISD, Dallas, Texas. But we're not going to leave you in a bad mood because we also have good news to send you home with. <laughs>
2: Taking care of biz. James Harrison.
1: James Harrison.
2: Yes, he is known as the man with the golden arm because he's donated a lot of blood.
1: A lot of blood. A lot of blood that has some special shit in it, apparently.
2: Yes.
0: On the surface, James Harrison is just an average guy. He loves his daughter and grandchildren, he collects stamps goes for walks near his home on Australia's central coast. But it's what's under the surface that makes James extraordinary.
8: I got nicknamed the man with the golden arm.
0: Specifically, it's what's flowing in his veins. James's golden arm, his right arm to be exact, from which he's donated blood nearly every week for the past 60 years.
8: Well, in 1951, I had a chest operation, which they removed the lung, and uh, they said that I'd had 13 units of blood and my life had been saved by unknown people.
0: At that time, you had to be 18 to donate blood in Australia. Not long after James became a donor, doctors called him with an idea. His blood, they said, could be the answer to a baffling problem in Australia.
9: In Australia, up until about 1967, um, there are literally thousands of babies dying uh, each year and doctors didn't know why. Um, And it was awful, there were women who were having numerous miscarriages and babies were being born um, with brain damage. Uh, Research was discovered, anti-D, and then James was discovered to have this antibody in his blood, which was amazing.
0: It's called rhesus disease, a condition where a pregnant woman's blood actually starts attacking her unborn baby's blood cells. In the worst case, it can result in brain damage or death for the babies.
9: Australia was one of the first countries um, to discover a blood donor uh, with this antibody. Um, So it was quite revolutionary at the time. James has effectively helped babies in Australia, but he's helped, you know, babies all around the world.
0: James worked with doctors to develop a vaccine using the antibodies in his blood.
8: Well, today I'll be making my 1,101 donation.
0: At the donor center, James's plasma is separated from the red blood cells. He gets those back. And the plasma heads off to become the vaccine.
9: It's really very easy for him to do. Um, and he does, certainly doesn't see it as anything big. Um, and that's the other rare thing about James. Uh, he thinks his donations are the same as anybody else's. Um, he doesn't think he's remarkable.
0: His blood is precious. In his home country, James is considered a national hero, but he doesn't see it that way.
8: It becomes quite humbling when they say, oh, you've done this, or you've done that, uh, or you're a hero. No, no, no. I said, it's something I can do. It's one of my talents. Probably my only talent is that I can be a blood donor.
0: But it is a big deal. James and his vaccine are credited with saving the lives of more than two million babies. That's according to the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. Yes, two million lives saved. By one man's blood,
9: every batch of anti-D that has ever been made in Australia has come from James's blood, and more than 17% of women in Australia are at risk. So James has helped save a lot of lives. It's pretty incredible.
2: Almost every week for 60 years, he's donated his blood.
1: 2.4 million lives saved. Yeah, or at least made immeasurably better. Yeah. I, I mean,
2: are you kidding me? I, I don't know if this is a feel-good
1: story because it kind of makes me feel like a piece of shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, wow. He, he 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 got lucky, right? Having this kind of blood. Yeah. I guess so. Um, great. I
1: hope they have others identified.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If
1: he's the only guy on the goddamn planet.
2: Yeah. He's eighty-one.
1: He also they took out his lung. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, he's just an incredible person. So James Harrison. Taking
1: care of biz. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. So we're going to leave you there. We had other stuff on the table, but it just, you know, sometimes that's the way it works. And
2: we like to leave you with good news. We
1: really do. Yeah. And we'd love to hear from you, please. We'd love to have you help us move the conversation forward about any topic we talked about today or in the past or something new that you want to talk about 657-464-7609. 657-464-7609. Of course, email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit it at Dollamore.com. We would love to have you join the Patreon family. Go to Dollamore.com slash Patreon. There you can give two bucks a month or five bucks a month or whatever value you get from us. We would love to have you help us produce the show, help us move the conversation forward episode by episode. And until the next episode, we will see you then. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.
0: She's NOT A Christian!